John Schuler. Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's wonderful. How are you doing? <laughs> that is wonderful, actually. I'm just coming off the tidal wave of being out at your place for, what was I out there, 12 days, 10 days? Something. Yeah, my uh, yeah, it was great. adrenaline is still up. Those classes get you so amped up. There's so much yeah. going on. You're on, 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 on. You're yeah. thinking 10 steps ahead, three days ahead the whole time. That I still haven't relaxed from that whole thing yet. Oh, I definitely agree. And, you know, every time we put them on, what I really, truly enjoy, especially people have been to other trainings, whoever those other trainings were, I love that they come to ours, that they're extremely high energy, you know, we're constantly making things. And, you know, we, we don't sit down a whole lot, as you know, you know, it's, I'm a, we talk and then we talk through everything while we're making things. So it's, it's extremely high energy, which keeps the adrenaline running the whole time. Uh, yeah. And, I, and I'm looking for the come down at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't sit down. Really. I didn't sit down for nine days. You know, right. I would, I'd be here, me and you get here at eight. And then be here till some nights, eight or nine o'clock. One night we're here till 11 or sitting around a fire. Go home, eat something real quick, take a shower, go to sleep and get up the next day and do it again. But it's fun. I'm glad we did it. It was a great class. Phenomenal attendees. They made insane pieces. Some of the pieces I didn't even get to photograph. The table that Dusty made and the double uh, ramp sink with the hidden slot trains. Well, Dusty posted photos of those. Okay. I'll get them. Yeah. On his Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. that was really cool pieces, and you know they made those, and I saw them, and next morning Dusty and his guys had loaded them up and headed back to Tennessee. So, yeah, I always find that too. Dusty, right? He when he makes those pieces, he utilizes them. Yeah. Whether that taking them back to his shop is is part of the uh, what the bar area and the whole nine yards starts as he's made. I mean, it that so they are not pieces that go to waste at all. But yeah, and then you posted pictures. You yep. posted pictures of those sinks. They came out pretty wild. Right. The Back to the whole idea sinks. of the, yeah. I mean, those are all, you know, one of a kind knockoffs, new designs. <laughs> one of I a mean, kind knockoffs. Cool. What does that even mean? One of a kind, one well, of a kind I mean, knockoffs. They, they've never been around before. I don't well, mean they're not a knockoff like something else. Oh. I mean, well, what would you call that? One, one of a kind. kind you just leave the knockoffs. Yeah, you leave the knockoff off yeah. of it. There you go. Take the knockoff. <laughs> one of a kind inspirations. How well, about that? that is something, design is what sets our classes apart from everything else, by far, design. And the importance of design and the process of design. And with this class, they designed those sinks. I did not design the sinks. Nothing was pre-designed. Nothing was, there was no preconceived ideas of what these would be. They were given parameters of the size of the sink. And they broke into teams and they did conceptual ideas and kind of went through the whole process. And those sinks, in the history of man, as long as man has been on earth, those two sink designs have never been made until right. this class. And that's hard to say for a lot of things. If you make whatever, wood tables, uh, wood chairs, anything like that, I mean, there, there are new designs to be had, but it's harder because those materials, people have been making tables and chairs out of wood for thousands of years. But with concrete being fluid and able to take any form you, you create, it's easier to have original design. In this class, they did that. They came up with completely new thought, new idea, and made sinks that never existed. They're not derivative of anything else. And they were amazing. Mm-hmm. Both sinks came out super nice. Oh, everything did. Everything. Yeah. Um, in fact, we didn't even take, did we get pictures of all of the texture upright casting 
textures. Cause I got, I got this most is of the, them. Yeah. This is the first time I've taken it from that point of view with having that many. So that, that was pretty cool. We talked about it to the class, but the last class, you did a bunch of textures. Right. You're allowing people to get their hands on every piece. And so people kept coming back and hard troweling, you know, with the steel right. trowel down the surfaces. So everything you were doing to create texture, people were knocking it down. And when we ended up finishing the pieces, they all looked the same. They looked the same, yeah. So this class, everybody had a piece, but then you had pieces set aside that you were demonstrating texture on. And it was really cool to see all these different looks, completely different looks, and completely different mm -hmm. surface texture themselves, tax, tactile texture, mm -hmm. just with slight variations in tool selection or technique and what that does to the concrete. Yeah. Showing them how to hold things to create different ways. That would, yeah. So that's the first time I've done it that way. And I'm, I think I'm going to keep focusing that from that direction because that was continued to be an eye opener from everybody, even from the development of the pieces themselves through finished sealing to show that, you know, oh, here was two people and then it sealed the same way with the same materials, but ended up with different sheens um, you know, based on the steps that were created along the way. So that, that was pretty cool. I had a conversation with somebody. I'm not going to name the person, but the last day of the class, I was talking to a person and they told me that they'd been to another class and, you know, that class was sold as being professional. And, and they said that the difference between that class and this class is this class is what they hoped that class would have been. So they learned all about concrete in this class, which somehow that message was conveyed to them that we don't cover materials or we don't go in depth on material science well, or how, how I was going to wait till you were done. Cause I was laughing cause I was, I, you know, had a similar conversation and I almost started, I literally did start chuckling Yeah, because, and this is not throwing anybody on their bus, but before I go down that tribe, I, I will say, I do believe there's different training for different people. Yeah. So, you know, they, someone else may find someone else's training amazing, fits their groove, maybe fits their personality and this and that. But well, hold, on, hold on before you go said, ahead. Yeah. Let me finish what he said. So, okay. That was part of it is, you yeah. know, he said that he went to that class and wished that that class would have been what we, what we had done essentially. He went to that class wanting to learn about concrete, but he wanted mm -hmm. to learn technique. He wanted to learn design. He wanted to learn application. He wanted to learn yeah real world considerations that have to be taken into account. And he didn't learn yeah. those things when he went to that class, but he learned them here. So that was really, really amazing. And I appreciated, you know, I appreciate that, that uh, input from him. But the fact is we do cover materials in depth. We do cover the science of materials in depth, what happens with materials. And that is a big part of our class. Anybody that's been to our class, we spend a lot of time, but the difference in training, you're right. I'm not throwing that training under the bus. There are people that do better in that type of environment. Our class, our personalities, our way mm -hmm. of teaching is very different. Yeah, we're, we are high energy. There's no question about it. Well, we have a lot of but fun. I, and, but yeah, the big difference is <laughs> yeah. we, we don't spend the whole class or the majority of the class in, in a conference room. So no. we do spend time in the conference room where we answer questions and we go through slides and we discuss all that kind of good stuff. But a lot of the class is spent in the studio actually doing work, building pieces. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's about. And that's, that's really how we feel that people get the most value out of a training class. True. And what I was going to expand on along that is 
and I know that this is a John Schuler thing, but when someone told me about that, like the perception that w- since we don't cover materials, but part of that perception was because the other person was saying how they're very in depth with the materials and you and I only concentrate. And I started laughing cause I was like, well, wait a minute, man. <laughs> you know, most of the other trainings out there, well, I shouldn't say most, every one of the other trainings out there know exactly that 90%, if not more, maybe I'm, you know, this is me stepping on my soapbox of the material, material design and material chemistry in this industry we work on. My fingers, I'm the one that does all this. So to make an accusation that somehow we don't know about these materials, that's, that's kind of crazy town to me, to be honest with you. hundred um, percent. So I take that a little personally. We definitely spend through the week discussing, I would say, t- to a reasonable level. I try not to go too deep, but do it to a reasonable level. Because one thing you and I staunchly agree on is know what you're using and why you're using it. Maybe not to my level, and that's fine. You don't need to know all the way what the chemistry is and how to use it, but at least be familiar with your materials enough to know the limits and to inspire yourself with what you're using these materials for. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And don't take it personal, John. You shouldn't take it. I am taking it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Have some chamomile tea. Have some chamomile tea. Watch watch an episode of Oprah. Do whatever you got to do to relax. Yes. Take my 10 breaths. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but that is misinformation. You know, if somebody's conveying the message to to people out there that in concrete design school, we don't go into materials in depth, that's 100% false. We do go into materials in depth. And we answer any question you have. There's no question that we don't answer. So if you want to know, Hey, how does this work? Ask us and we'll go into depth on it. So as long as we're talking about training, I'm going to pull up something that I've, it it is positive. It's very positive, but I have to admit, I've always found it kind of strange in the training that, and even this time that when people come to our training, they like to do stain testing on I mean, even on the tables in the Dude. conference room. Dude. I know, right? But hey, God, Dude. in the bathrooms, in Dude. the bathrooms, on, on the bathroom sinks, <laughs> on freshly made pieces, like uh, the tables and yes. pieces that Jones, uh, and then all the way to the very end, that stain testing on, you know, pieces that we literally just finished sealing five, ten, or fifteen minutes later. Now, I, I take it positive because each time that happens, the person goes away with this, like, they'll tell me like, oh, my, you know, my confidence has gone up a thousand fold because I heard or I was told that ICT does this or ICT can't do that or, you know, ICT, ICT, ICT. But then I did ask one of them. In fact, I did. I, I called him after the workshop. Great guy here. And he's in Oregon. I'm not going to throw his name out there in case he doesn't want to feel like he's got thrown under the bus. But to ask them, like, hey, in all seriousness, because I'm, I'm uh, all day long, I'm super glad that it raised his confidence. Well, no question. You haven't even said what he did. So we sealed a piece. I know. I know and five minutes after sealing, they're pouring yeah. stuff on it to see what happens. Five minutes. Right. There's no chemical yeah, reaction that's occurred and- <laughs> yet with the concrete. <laughs> right? Yeah. And they're testing it five minutes later. Yeah. And so I was just asking him, like, what made you think that? 
is it because, and I'll just throw, let's just talk some of the pros of ICT. You know, is it because, you know, 30 seconds or so after a, an application dries, I mean, literally you can touch it, you can put your arms on it. If you happen to be in your shop, you know, using a table saw, you could, you don't have to be in some, you know, hermetically sealed room to do sealing in. You know, you can cut things and do things and just brush the surface off to put your next application on. You don't have to set a timetable like, hey, I only seal in the evening uh, when nothing's going on. You know, ICT, you can do all the time. Is that part of it? He's like, well, yeah, John. I mean, you and I both know that the other choices out there, they'll, they'll stay sticky, you know, for hours afterwards. And so I'm like, okay. And he goes, well, and I'm going to tell you another thing. Uh, all right. How often are you around something, you know, sealed by John Schuler to really take a look at? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, but that's only minutes, really? <laughs> you know, minutes after we're finished sealing? He's like, well, you know, again, yeah, you know, there's so much about that I'm told about ICT or that I've heard that uh, may be negative that. So anyway, when we're talking about staining and so forth, to have Andy there from the UK, who's moved to Makers and ICT, to give some feedback in his testing. Did you see that one where he was literally, I think it was a crowbar. He was taking a crowbar. Well, it was definitely a metal bar with a curve on the end and trying to scratch the pieces. And he's like, John, this is amazing. Or how he did, I'm going to call him his retro sinks. I'll let him, you know, I don't know if they're supposed to be secret or not. So I'm just going to call them retro sinks. And then he was talking about, for people who were asking questions at the table, how he's already done pieces where he did the same thing. He had water in there for, you know, 45 minutes to hours and, you know, nothing happens, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that was a confidence booster to other people too, who may have only come specifically for those questions. Now listening to a few people who have been to other type of trainings or other training courses, I guess I would understand more and more. Again, thank you for spending the time, the energy, and the finances to come out and hang out with us for, for a week. And thank you for being a friend. A friend. <laughs> and you know, and 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 dealing with us and the high energy and, and projects and you fire know, pits um, and beer. Yeah, cr crazy information. Live music thrown at you. Um, Delicious. Donuts. But if you come from that, yeah, I, I you know. I'd say as a part of a confirmation bias, if you came from that and you had an instructor that was telling you information that's, you know, 180 degrees ours, like, ah, reactive sealers are stupid. You know, they don't work. The only way it should be done is this way. You know, it's you got to get X amount of plastic or coating on. And, it's true. Though. Or, oh, you know what? You, you, you come to this one because, you know, we are the technical experts. Well, We're the, the only ones way. that... The only oh, way to get yeah. ICT to work is to cover it in plastic. I don't know if I've told you that, John. No, that's my well, secret. That's true. I, I don't cover, tell anybody that. <laughs> I cover ICT <laughs> oh, with a yeah. plastic drop cloth, and I super seventy seven underside, tuck it under, and that's yep. that's the secret. Yeah. Well, now you just let the secret out because well, that's what I do too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, on a side note, uh, because yeah. you know, even though we just wrapped the class, we have been getting tech support calls. And we've gotten a few yeah. calls from people that made the switch to Maker Mix, and they're they hit us up and they're like, "Hey, why is why is this white mix not pure white?" Right now, oh yeah, yeah. First of all, 
think anybody would agree that Maker Mix is a white mix. If you ever use a Gray Portland mix, that's Gray Portland. This is a white mix, and all the ingredients are white. So two yeah. things, two things. One is one of the ingredients in Maker Mix is a naturally occurring material, which means it's mined out of the ground, and it changes in color slightly. It's a white material, but it shifts in color. And so, you know, we buy that material in bulk, it gets blended in, but depending on where they are in the mine, will determine the color. And it can it can shift slightly from batch slightly. to batch. Yeah, it's very... And, and there is a spec for it. There is a specification based on the whiteness. True. And it, it always falls within that spec. Exactly. So it's a very it, subtle shift. I have, yeah. I have samples cast from all the different palettes up on a shelf. And if you look at them, they look the same. If you get right up on them, you're like, oh, I can just barely tell that this one's a little more gray and this one's a little bit less. Yeah. But it's so imperceptible. So number two, which is what you brought up, which I thought was interesting mm -hmm. that I didn't even consider, was curing. How mm -hmm. our colors are so much richer and darker, including the color of Maker Mix. If you just air cured this and not right. cured it the way we specify, you just cast it in a mold and let it air cure, it's going to be pretty darn white. But Correct. once you cover it and you use you know the the micro steam environment cure technique that we talk about with felt plastic blankets maybe heating blanket let it exotherm let it cure in those conditions and then demold it it's far denser and that increased the density of the color so it's going to be a darker color than it would be had it been air cured no question and that is an absolute direct reflection of the density so that's when what i try to relay to everybody is a best practice in curing as well. And what I mean by that is if you're in a shop, let's say a cold shop, and even though you follow the recommendations for covering and insulating and everything we talk about, and but your shop is, I don't know, 40 degrees, let's say, ultimately that means that the concrete is going to see, you know, a certain hydration spike or hydration temperature for a certain amount of time. And that is what it is. And let's just say you normally would, I don't know, demold that at 24 hours later. And you may achieve a certain density under those conditions. You follow that same best practice, but your shop temperature has moved from 50 degrees to 70 degrees. That's going to change that same hydration spike that, that, even if you did the same, same 24 hours, same, 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 you're going to be different conditions. Take that to a next instead of 24, you took it to 30 or 36. You know, all of this, when you're talking about a mix with this kind of high particle and its ability to create such high density under the hydration profile, that's going to change your color. So, how do I mean, what would somebody do? Like, well, John, what do I do? Well, best practice would say, try to keep a, a situation where, you know, so put a space heater under your table, you know, take a moment, at least through your first, first few castings and use an IR thermometer and see where that heat spike hits and how long you hold it. You know, kind of like what we talk, the opposite of the ice scenario, right? Yeah. Like, so you learn how much ice necessary to keep that, you know, 50 to 60 degree, that kind of 55 degree perfect temperature. And you've learned how to do that from summer months through winter months. And sometimes you may have to use all ice if it was a super hot day or you only use 10 percent ice or no ice or 
Maybe you're in Alaska and you need warm water, but either way, you've learned how to hit that best practice in mixed temperature. I would say the same thing in your cure regimen, you know, figure out best practice so that you're not hitting extremes in your cure practices, even if it meant wintertime, you know, a little space heater under your tables, insulate down to the floor and try throughout the year to maintain a consistency in your cure practices is would ultimately mean that, you know, from cast to cast, from pallet to pallet, whatever the case may be, you will continue to get exactly what you want. And then you can base your colors and everything else around that. But to address, because you started, you asked a question, but then you talked about curing, which is super important. And I agree 1000%. But what Mm. can you do? Let's say that you have a client base that's used to a really bright white and maker mix because of the density of the mix and because of the way we cure it is coming out Mm -hmm. darker. What you do is you add alabaster pigment. Yeah, which is titanium. Alabastered. Why do you you keep getting the the name wrong, dude? Sorry, man. It's alabaster. I'm sorry. So... (laughs) You use alabaster pigment, which is titanium yes. white, and you can use any titanium white. Just so you know, John and I's pigments are specified on particle size, so you end right. up with denser, more rich colors. But if you have titanium white in your shop, use that. But dose that titanium white. Do some test, 1%, 2%. And if you want consistently the same bright white, that's how you do it. Well, that's one step. And then the other step would be, to get a white stain, water-based stain. And then you can always dose a little bit of that water-based, because there's still going to be a titanium of some sort, or it could be a zinc oxide, but either way, it's going to be white. And you can, from initial priming steps through the final sealing steps, maybe 1% or 5% dilution of that white stain into each of your steps throughout the sealing process so that you would also get a, a pretty stark white out of that. That reminds me, you and I had brought up the idea of carrying a line of, of water-based stains for that purpose. Right. Yeah. And we talked about it. We didn't do anything with it we, we, besides you and I talking about it. But that being said, people listen to the podcast, good people of the Concrete Podcast. If you want to see a water-based stain line available through Kodiak Pro, let us know. If there's enough demand, we'll do it. If there's not, then whatever. Yeah, that, I think that's ultimate. We've had that conversation. And then we're talking about, you know, stocking materials. Where are we stocking those materials? What's the shelf life, et cetera, et cetera. And um, there are some things available. And as long as they do a good water-based. In fact, someone asked me about someone else's product out there, but it turns out it, it's got an acrylic in it. Mm. I'm not saying it, it won't work, but it, when you run your test make absolutely sure you take that into account, especially if you're blending it, in this case, with ICT. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that'd be why we would do our own line so there wouldn't be any uh, chemical interactions. Right, incompatibilities, right. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, if there's demand for it, you know, a lot of people moved away from using topical stains of any sort, water-based stains. But Mm -hmm. if there's demand, let us know. What else? How about poslins? We get asked a lot about poslins. Yeah, we do get asked about poslins. Yeah. More you than so, me. People don't ask me as much about poslins. They ask you more. I know, but then I call you and ask you. I know, and then I, I say, John, tell him this. Tell him, tell him Hess Paws yeah, is the one right. I'd use. Yeah. I'd use, yeah. use white silica fume or Hess Paws. 
That's the secret. So let's let's talk Poslin then, and I'm going to go through some of the questions that I get in Poslins. There are some that some people might not not know, but there are some metacalins out there. Metacalins pretty often used in in this industry, but metacalin silica fumes. Um, VCAS is a big one, and it's white. And most people don't know there's a HESPAS out there, which is a two micron mean particle size ground pumice, which, which is a light color as well and works fantastically. And when these questions come up with me, we just, I just had a guy poured black. Black seems the, the most difficult and he always gets some amount of efflorescence, but the mix design he's using, there's a couple, you know, one, two punches well, three punches actually that end up negative against blacks. Number one, if anybody didn't know this, your heavy dose blacks are notorious for holding moisture. Carbon blacks, which is a super pigment, you know, depending on what the combo is with maybe a black oxide or something, notorious about holding moisture. And then I think we've maybe beat this to death, but his mix is using a fair amount of a water-based polymer. Specifically, if I can talk specifically, Fortin, and he's not using a really high percentage in solids, but you know, still high enough. So you got a pigment holding moisture. Now you're putting a polymer in there holding moisture, and then he was using a poslin that, if you were to ask me, I think is an amazing fine particle filler with the potential of poslinic activity, because this particular one. It's when it comes on in a pozzolonic reaction is later down the line, could be weeks or even months down the line. <clears throat> so, and that's VCAS, by the way. VCAS is great. It can make a nice creamy mix, but just be aware that VCAS, fine particle fill with the potential of pozzolonic activity. So my suggestion in this case was, oh, and, and I'm digressing. What was the problem? The problem is in some exterior environments, he was getting some efflorescence, not horrible efflorescence, but enough. He's using a breathable sealing technology, vapors moving through the system. You know, you're talking about that he had black, he's got a high polymer load and he's using all VCAS. So, you know, moisture moving through the system, you could ultimately get some amount of efflorescence that pops its head up down the line. So how, how can he, or what are there some steps to avoid it? Well, number one, talk about the concrete. And I gave him suggestions. Bring in a more active poslin. More active would be like a HESPOS. Blend HESPOS with your VCAS. If you really like the VCAS, that's fine. But bring in a HESPOS. H-E-S-S, -S, for those people listening. HESPOS. It's great. Or a white silica fume. That would be another choice. And that's pretty readily available. It's a little more expensive, but it's readily available. And then uh, a metacalin. <clears throat> Metacalins are great, but they can make your mixes sticky, especially if you use it as the sole uh, pozzolan. It can make it sticky. So those would be my suggestion. Bring something in a little more active and faster acting. Uh, choice number two, back that polymer load down. I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot, and some people are still going to, or they prefer using the liquid polymers. So bring it down. One or two percent solids, not five, six, and seven percent solids. That will speed the total reaction because the acrylic polymers can retard cement hydration. It's just nature of the beast. It doesn't make them bad, but it is nature of the beast. Uh, 
And three, his black loading, which he wanted black, but if he, I don't, I didn't hit him on the cure and what he was doing, but if you step up your cure regimen, you could probably achieve very similar richness in your black color by increasing the way the concrete is curing. Again, back to that whole, you know, cover with heat, X amount of time. I would, my typical is 24 to 36 hours, really make as dense of what you have, make that the best it can be, and then lower the polymer load and bring in a faster acting. Yeah, possibly. and he, he could potentially lower his pigment load. If he liked the color he was right. getting, he could lower his pigment load, cure it better, and end up with right. the same color with less pigment. Right, because it's just nature of the beast. Yeah. Blacks hold moisture. Yeah. So if you could achieve that richness and color or you know, better, but with a slightly less amount. And consume you know, that moisture through proper curing, so it's not correct in the system when you demold it. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So that would be the, you know, brought to you by Kodiak Pro. Tip of the week. This pro tip brought to you by the good folks at Kodiak Pro. Kodiak Pro for the best concrete in the world. Choose Kodiak Pro. Yeah. So no, if anybody has not seen HESPAS, H-E-S-S, that stuff's very reactive and it does a very good job. Bring it in, blend it in, you know, use a combination of Poslins and you'll see increased success in what you're doing. For a good time, use HESPAS. Yeah. There you go. H-E-S-S. I don't know. I got to come up with the We got to come up with it. I'll call it. So the guy's name is Brian Jepson. That's who you, Uh, I think that's who. Yeah, yeah. I know Brian Jepson. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's who you talk to. Hey, while you were talking, I kind of zoned out for a minute and uh, was looking at Instagram. And Brandon Browning at Modern Edge Concrete, he was like the last holdout that hadn't switched over to Maker Mix yet. That was, (laughs) that was, you know, in that whole crew over there with Dusty and Tommy and Edgar and all those guys that that do the Dusty Crete aesthetic. But Brandon Browning was holding on. I don't know why he's holding on, but he was. But he just posted on Instagram that he's finally made the switch. He's found religion. He saw the light. And he has made the switch, (laughs) my brothers, to Kodiak Pro. Amen. Blessed be. (laughs) I like Brandon. I love Brandon. Brandon's funny, man. Dude, Brandon. Brandon, not me. Because I talk about myself in third person, too. Brandon's getting angry. Uh, (laughs) But Brandon Browning is a phenomenal craftsman, such a good craftsman, but uh, just such a good guy too. I love Brandon. Yeah, I love the videos and stuff he puts together. Yeah. Well, the th- I, I'll throw one. When people come to either the workshop or in this case, the one day, and I just quickly cast, well, I, what was that thing? 24 by 20, something like that. Just very, very quickly. Because to me, I, my thought was for the one day was more about you know, mix some of the mixes, you know, see what it feels like. Uh, Cause you and I throw away, you know, we all throw around all these acronyms, UHPC, ECC, clay mix, SCC. And, you know, if you didn't know what all these, you know, AR, I literally got an email from one of the guys, I think it was Chris. He had wrote down in his notes that we were talking about AR 100s and AR 400. And he had, you know, so again, all these acronyms can get confusing with people sometimes. But so when we mixed up some clay and I very quickly. Well, hold on. So he, met, know, he mixed up it, PVA and ARs? Yeah, in his notes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So to me, it'd yeah, be PVA 100s or yeah. PVA 400s. 
Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I wrote him back and said, oh, no, you know, you just with so many acronyms flying around, I can uh, certainly understand getting confused. Yeah. And so I told him the AR stands for alkali resistant, you know, and so forth and so on. And then broke down which PVAs, because that's the other thing. We always just say seven, seven, sevens. Well, the reality is there's 702s, you know what I mean, when you go to the website. So which ones are you talking about? Basic idea. But um, back to the cast. So clay mix very quickly, just placed it, you know, screed it off real fast or what I call screeding. And I remember him, the, uh, he was standing like, is that it? I'm like, well, yeah. And he's looking at this, like, you know, dog turd of a surf was like that. Is that the finish? Like, uh, no. Well, it's step one. <laughs> step one of the finish. Yeah, That's one. not the final. Yeah. You know? uh, but even then, when we had those samples and we pulled it out from under the blanket, like, he looked at it like, man, you guys don't know what you're doing. Because <laughs> like, it, you know, the, <laughs> I was laughing. We don't. Like, no, we, don't. we don't. That's the truth. No, we, don't. we just wing it. We don't We're have just any idea. Making it up. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. And I gave him that look like I was so confident, like, haven't you seen pictures of the things I do? Of course, that's it. It sure does look different in person, doesn't it? He just looked at me in this really, really strange face, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. I was thought it was but then, funny. But then yeah. you finished it out and sealed it. And yeah. Then you see the final end result. But yeah, it's, it's a multi step right. process. It's not just what what you see in the first trowel, you know, uh, run. No. The very first, it's just, that's a very high level trowel that you do. And then from there, you refine it with different yep. tools and different processes to get different looks. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and then everything moves to another level when we bring out the processing techniques that brings out so much of the character that you hand tooled into it, that which in whatever version you did, but I think, you know, with so many people, they get this picture in their mind that, oh, it's supposed to be this perfect steel trowel, whatever that kind of means in their head. And you're like, Which isn't yeah, bad. No. I mean, that look looks no. good. We had yeah. we had Josh Bradshaw in this class, and mm -hmm. the piece that he did in your class was a very smooth, dead flat steel trowel, I want to say. Correct. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it looked amazing. Yeah, they're kind of cool. Dude, it yeah. was really cool. But mm -hmm. all the other looks were really cool as well. They're just different. Different, different. looks for different different uh, clients. Some clients yeah. want more movement. Some clients want more texture, tactile texture. Mm -hmm. Some clients want a dead yeah. slick surface, but more modeling than you'd get with an ASCAST, SEC, GFRC type finish. So, right. you know, different tools in your toolbox. And how you use those tools. As you know, some never saw any steel whatsoever. Some saw different sizes and whatever magnesium or aluminum screed floats we were using all to create very, very different textures and in finishes. And then the final processing techniques also each of them got different processing techniques based on what we were doing to, to bring out whatever character we were trying to bring out. So anyway, speaking but of, anyway, speaking I, of I that something that you want to talk about and I said, ah, yeah. but we'll talk about it since you brought it up in a way sure. is these diamond pads for the Festool. And by the way, you yeah. left your Festool here. I did. So possession is nine-tenths of the law. Now I have two Festools. <laughs> there you go. Now now you can't hear the you know, the typical, at my shop. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because at my shop, I have them both. Every class, every class, doesn't matter what tool it is I have, John yeah. has to tell everybody, eh, yeah. 
you know, Brandon has an eight inch pool trowel or whatever type of trowel it is. Brandon has eight inch. I prefer eight and a quarter. Yeah. Now, if you go to Marshalltown, that's going to be 8.72 yeah. B. You don't want the dash A, you want the dash B. And I'm like, shut up, John. Just use the trowel. Get the trowel, trowel the concrete, but it doesn't matter what it is. Now, I know Brandon likes the green Scotch Brights, but <laughs> in my shop, I like the brown ones. Whatever tool it is I have. You gotta, you gotta have a different tool. <laughs> so here's what we're gonna do. From now on, every tool you bring here stays here, and that way, when you come here, you'll be like, "Oh, well, in my shop. Well, this is your shop, John, because we moved go. all your tools here. I just kept them." So, anyways, where this whole story was headed before we went completely <laughs> off the rails is these diamond pads for the Fest tool, which is gonna be a finishing option for concrete, yeah. and you just got them in. And you would be testing them right now, except yep. you left your festival at my shop, so you can't test them. I did. But they did come in. I'm extremely excited about them. Um, yeah, he actually sent me more than I had expected. So I'm excited. Yeah, they, they look good. It looks like the whole pattern. What is there, 16 or 18 holes in them? So I, they're made to line up with the Festool backer pads. I just can't really tell you until I have a six-inch Festool backer pad to put it on. Hey, hmm. let me uh, let me hit a few things real quick, John. Please. So we want you to continue the conversation with Kodiak Pro, and the way you do that is you go to Facebook and like Kodiak Pro on Facebook, then join our Kodiak Pro discussion group on Facebook, and guess what? We'll send you a sticker, and I'll give you your choice. You can pick Concrete Gangster, Never Underestimate Hydraulic Pressure, or Concrete Is Hard. Let me know which one you want. I'll put it in the mail to you for free. Just send me an email and say, hey, Brandon, I just joined a discussion group. Uh, I'd love this sticker. I'll put it in the mail to you. Happy to do it. The other way to do that is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. And if you do that, send us a message. Same thing. Hey, I just left you guys a review. Here's my address. I want this sticker. Perfect. I'll put it in the mail to you. So that's number one. The second thing is we have a promotion going on right now. Now, this is kind of like the first, the first time we've done something like this. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. cool. You want to hear about this it, This will be fun. Yeah, this actually would be well, fun. Well, people are already yeah. doing it. I've gotten some messages from people asking some questions and they're really? in the process. Yep. So okay. uh, what we're doing is we hear from people privately all the time about how much better Kodiak Pro products are compared to what it is they were using. Man, we hear this all the time. We want to share this with other people. So what we're doing is if you make a social media video and that you post on Instagram or Facebook that says why you made the switch to Kodiak Pro, what specifically is better about the mix, and how has or how will these improvements help your business, make that video, post it to Instagram and Facebook, and then send us a copy so we can post it to our social medias as well. We will credit you $250 on your next pallet of Maker Mix or Rad Mix. So that's a pretty, yeah. big, uh, pretty big discount. It's like five bucks a bag, man. Yeah. Can we shift that over? Let's move the decimal point to this to the twenty five. Twenty five, yeah. Well, I, I was thinking because you and I talked about this. I was like, "What if we did like two hundred fifty dollars?" You're like, "Yeah," and I'm like, "Dude, if like ten yeah. people do this, that's twenty five hundred bucks." Mean you're paying. <laughs> <laughs> right. And guys, so you know that money comes out of me and John's pocket. Yeah. Like we, we're a small business. The business is us. So if yeah. if you if we like discount like this as this promotion, or we send you a T shirt or whatever in the mail. 
me and John paid for that and we're happy to do it. No, it's fun. It really is going to be fun. Yeah. I, I look forward to people just and their videos and I hope they're both some I'm sure will be like super serious and hopefully make them make some quirky ones and funny ones. And no, nah, it should be. Uh, I look forward to it. It'd be cool. Yeah. Upgrade your mix. Upgrade your mix. Upgrade your business is the name of yeah. this promotion. And so you can learn more about that. If you go to our social media, Kodiak Pro, I have uh, I have that list. I also have it on the Kodiak Pro Facebook group. And this is going to run until June 1st, 2022. And it's limit one per person. So, you know, if you make 10 videos, we, we can't discount you 2,500 bucks. But this is something that we want to say thank you to people for taking the time to make a video because it yeah. does take, you know, it might take you an hour to shoot this. And that's time out of your day. Yeah. So we want to say thank you. So we'll credit you $250. And the way to do that is uh, just email me or John and uh, when you do the video and we will send you a custom invoice on your next order where we discount it. So we're trying to do this differently. We're trying to do this the way we would want to be treated. So we, we treat people fairly with pricing. We treat people fairly with service and customer support and we treat people fairly with saying thank you and appreciating them, you know, being customers because they don't have to be a customer. There's, there's other products out there. And so if you are a customer of Kodiak pro, we appreciate you and we, we try our best to, uh, to convey that so absolutely so no i look i look forward to some of those i think they'll be fun i still remember that one video with um jason at oasis remember where he took the one can of product and just chucked it in the garbage can that was just funny you know it was meant to be funny and it was just funny so i don't remember was, that so. what, what was this you don't remember that? No, no. What are you oh, talking about? I think he's actually, yeah, I think he actually uses the product, but he was just making a funny video where he opened up the can. He's like, you know the best thing to do with this? And he just turned around that you're kind of waiting for him to give like, you know, that it does this or it's great scratch resistance or whatever the case may be. <laughs> he just turns around and boop, throws the can right into the garbage can. But it was <laughs> funny. And it was, it was literally oh, a very man. hilarious video yeah yeah senses yeah. of humor are huh. rare these days john everybody is uh agreed got their, got their well, i think some on. people did take it serious like yeah. i can't believe but it was just meant to be funny yeah. he was just having a good time and he was being funny and so those of us who took it for what it was we all got a really good laugh and just kind of you know sometimes that's what you need man yeah. right just yeah. Don't be so serious. Don't Why so are serious. you so serious? Yeah. Till next time. Always good talking to you. It was great spending a week with you, spending a week with the uh, attendees and meeting new personalities. And uh, I love that. Uh, I'm trying to remember that it was Greg, wasn't it? Greg did all the bike riding and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. All the pictures of the graffiti and stuff. And, you know, just, you know, all of that is I love all that. You stuff, know, what my favorite man. part of the class it's a lot of was work. what getting a new Festool sander. <laughs> all right, buddy. All right, good talking to you. Same. Enjoy the rest of your day. Adios. Bye. Bye.